So the iPhone 13 has been released and I find myself in the unusual position of most likely skipping two generations of the iPhone in a row. I've owned every single um, iPhone model apart from the original and the iPhone 12 series. And it's a bit of a strange feeling because for me, it's a case of Apple almost making the product too well. The 11 Pro does everything I need uh, and I don't feel like I'm settling in any way. The camera is more than good enough for my needs, particularly over the past year where I've been working from home and as as my children get older they're 17 and 21 now um, you, you don't really take so many photos it's not like when they're seven and four when kids will pose for any photo and you want to capture as many memories as you can when they get to a certain age you end up taking photos of your children generally looking unhappy that, that you're taking a photo of them because they are naturally embarrassed. So for me, maybe a, a camera is not so important anymore. And the old joke of, oh, look, my camera's got a new iPhone seems to be coming back more and more because when you look at the uh, iPhone 13 and maybe in particular the 13 Pros if you ignored the camera side what have you got realistically what have you got better screen technology which for maybe people of my age is is somewhat lost um, because we can only just about see the screens we've got um, you've got a faster processor. My 11 Pro is about as fast a phone as I've ever owned and I've still never seen it stumble in any way. So as a general rule, I, if I look at it on a practical level, I have absolutely no reason at all to upgrade from the 11 Pro to the 13 Pro. Yes, it would be nice, but with my battery health still at 92%, um, it's a very expensive nicety. And, and I really, I can't work out in my head how that extra outlay, even if I traded in or sold my iPhone 11 Pro, is worth anywhere near the improvements the 13 would offer. And perhaps more telling is it doesn't feel like a phone that I would be necessarily thinking, oh, well, I could keep that one for four years because it, it doesn't feel any different to the, the 11 Pro to me. So I'm not digging at Apple here because the, the fact that after two years, the 11 Pro is still such a stellar phone to me is testament to the quality of the product. I 
slightly struggle to understand how Apple is selling more and more iPhones every year. But maybe, just maybe, the world doesn't run how us tech people think. Just maybe people love using their iPhones for various tasks all day, every day. And maybe that's the incentive they need to upgrade before they necessarily need to. So although they're not geeks, although they're not into the technology, the uh, product becomes so such a companion to them. They're actually happy to upgrade when they don't need to and spend a lot more money on doing so. Of course, in recent times, it could be that some people have more disposable income because of the pandemic. Um, but to counter that, you would have thought that the lack of travelling, the lack of general things to do for so many millions of people might make them think, well, why do I need to upgrade my phone? I'm, I'm not really going anywhere or doing much. It's an oddity, but it feels like a juggernaut that is built purely on the quality of the product. And that can only be a good thing. Um, but it's still a juggernaut. I, I don't personally quite understand. Uh, I, I said a long time ago that I felt the iPhone knocked the... It kind of killed off any excitement or passion I had for mobile technology because it does everything I need. I can't think of new features I particularly need. And I can't think of any discernible improvements it requires. So... In some ways, you know, I reached a point with an iPhone that I was happy with and I just kept it. And here I am probably uh, going to have this phone for at least three years, maybe even four. And it's a similar story. Well, actually, it's a completely different story with the Apple Watch. I won't be buying uh, a Series 7 Apple Watch. Primarily because it does not fix the one criticism I have of the Apple Watch, which is the battery performance. The fact that, yes, it's got a bigger battery, but it has a bigger screen, and so you end up with the same battery life. It might be a technical improvement, but the reality is I've still either got to leave it charging overnight or um, leave it on the charger for at least an hour during the day and it's a bit of a dichotomy because for a device that's supposed to track sleep obviously the first option means you can't track sleep the second option means that for a device that leans so heavily on making you hit certain targets for your exercise and fitness rings you miss an hour every day so it's, it's just a general annoyance and it brings home all the time how much of a computer this product is rather than uh, a watch. But besides that, the, the main reason I wouldn't upgrade is because we still don't have a release date. So it could come at the earliest end of October maybe November or December. And I think we know that that squared off Apple Watch or certainly the features people talked about 
with regards to much better battery performance and new sensors will be coming in the Series 8. If that is as far along as it looked and the uh, Series 7 is an interim product just to have a new release this year, that would suggest to me that next September the Series 8 will, will come out on time unless there's other issues around the world with uh, problems with processors and, and delivery etc. And if it does come out on time, you could be upgrading again in nine months time. That's quite an expensive purchase to only use for nine months. And particularly for a watch that besides the bigger screen is effectively identical to the Series 6. I suspect that irony will kick in again and that Apple will sell millions of the Series 7 and break all records. And I personally, you know, again, I, I won't understand that. But perhaps even more so with the Apple Watch this year, I would see no reason to upgrade. Um, if the promised or the ex rumoured features come in, in the Series 8, that's a different matter. If the battery is greatly improved, and if there are a few features that, that take the Apple Watch even higher, such as better connectivity, much more stable connectivity, then yes, I, I think they would get my money. And I wonder if I'll end 2022 with a, an iPhone 11 Pro still and uh, a Series 8 Apple Watch. But it doesn't matter. It, it appears now that whatever iPhone or Apple Watch user you are, um, Apple is still going to make a ton of money. And this is helped by the general state of Android. The uh, fragmented software that now there and the entire ecosystem feels like it's, it's it's hard to understand at the best of times but in some ways to to certainly to people who've been stuck in the apple ecosystem it, it feels like it's just run amok and the smartwatch side google wear wear os is a complete and utter mess and, and there's all sorts of issues there where the hardware is running ahead of the software. You've got new devices, new smartwatches out there with processors that can handle the new version of Wear OS, but they won't get that new version until next year. You've also got lots of new smartwatches being released, including even from the likes of Citizen, that are effectively such old hardware that they're, they're, they're like half the price from the likes of Fossil. So, so the whole thing is confused and it's hard to know where to even start. And I suspect that ultimately that plays into the hands of Apple and maybe adds to the growing sales numbers that they're going to see. And the final thing I was thinking about, I was talking to someone about this the other day, is that maybe I shouldn't even be thinking of buying new equipment climate change is a big thing at the moment and uh 
Prime Minister Johnson talks about it a lot, does, you know, obviously couldn't care less. President Biden talks about it a lot, obviously couldn't care less. And I hear almost every world leader talk about climate change, and they only talk about it uh, in a political way. You can see they're literally kicking the can down the road, talking about how much money they're going to throw at it, what initiatives they have. And ultimately, they have no real desire to fix it. And the reason is, is because we're all hypocrites. We're hypocrites as nations and we're hypocrites as individuals. Because I hear a lot of people talk about, particularly like with the UK, that we only contribute 1% of the carbon uh, or our or our 1% of the problem. And our government pats themselves on the back, suggesting that they've already saved a certain proportion and, and that we're on target to uh, hit our goals. Well, obviously, that's not going to be enough because we're only 1%. And then people point to China and say, well, what's the point if China is, I can't remember if it's 21 or 29%. Um, but so they point to that and say, well, then what's the point if they're producing so much? China needs to sort themselves out. And they might put that on Twitter. They might view it on the web. On their products that are made in China, they don't seem to understand that we are as much of the cause of the problem from China as China is. China wouldn't be making these products at these prices if the demand wasn't there from the likes of the UK and the US. So we could moan about China all day long. The only way we would stop that is to make ourselves reliant on ourselves and to make our own products and to not to outsource to a country that can pay people barely enough to live on um, and to make the products that we want cheaply for our inflated lifestyles. So we have this whole system that's going you know, this crazy system where we will literally have millions of products delivered to our shores every day from as far away in the world as you can get through tankers, planes, whatever. We are, every day, we cause that problem by wanting China and India to make products for us. And then when you hear the likes of Biden and Johnson stand up and say, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It's so hollow. It, it must have an echo. It's just painful to listen to. And I know I'm being a hypocrite when I um, say all this. I don't get the bus. I don't get public transport. I have a car. Um, I don't really do anything useful uh, in terms of climate change. When I look at if I guess I'm probably average, but that average is not good enough. And I very much suffer, I suppose, like most of us do, from that grounding thought of, well, I could change, I could take one less flight, I could, I could get a bus and all that. But what difference would that make? There's millions of us. And it's the same argument that we have when we blame China 
saying, what's the point in us doing anything if China won't get its act together? Well, we could do something to affect China, and that would be to make our own products. But we're now stuck in this interconnected system where the people with the money ensure that we will only buy products at a certain price. And thus we need developing countries, many of them actually developed, to make the products for us at a much reduced costs. So, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and go, yes, I'm doing my bit for the environment by not buying the new iPhone. I'm not buying it because the uh, iPhone 11, you know, the iPhone 13 isn't bad. The iPhone 11 just happens to be too good. I'm not buying the Apple Watch purely because of the battery. If they were magnificently different and I could see real world benefits, I would buy them both in a shot and then still talk to other people about how terrible the climate change situation is. So I'm certainly no better than Biden or Johnson. Um, and I doubt if any of us are really. I think we all talk a good game, but none of us are really uh, taking it seriously. Um, that's it really. Just some quick thoughts. Uh, nothing sensational. But thank you for listening. Goodbye.